Welcome to the AWPT Podcast, a safe space for personal trainers and coaches who want to learn, grow, and feel heard in the fitness industry. Each week, we'll bring you industry-relevant discussions on all things coaching, mindset, and professional development, empowering you with the tools to be a competent and confident coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the AWPT podcast. Today, I am joined by Lily, and she's here to talk to us all about herself, her journey, her work as a coach, as a competitor, all of that good stuff, which we're definitely going to dive into today. But before we do, I feel like it makes more sense for Lily to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you love, all of that good stuff. Okay. Hello, everyone. First off, just want to say thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. I have a podcast myself, so it's always weird being on the other end of it, but it's always exciting to kind of tell my side of the story. But essentially, I am an online coach myself, and I only started around a year ago now. I originally graduated uni with a commerce degree, started marketing with all of that, and then moved into group training, and then just kind of fell into online coaching. One of those things that I definitely didn't plan coming out of school, but They always say you eventually fall into what you are made for. And I really feel like this is the right path that I was meant to go down. And then I also compete in bodybuilding. So I actually just started prep this week to compete in season A IPB next year, which I am so excited about to get the ball rolling. I competed last year in ICN, um, won my pro card, which was absolutely insane. And that just really kind of pushed me to just like have that drive and passion towards that industry. So that's just a little bit about me. I love that. I love that. And it's so interesting when I talk to coaches and I always say, I feel like coaches either fall into like one of two camps, either like it's something that you've always wanted to do and like you grew up and then you studied like exercise and sports science or you went straight and did your cert threes and fours and stuff like that. Or there's this other camp, which is like myself as well, who thought, okay, I'm going to go down more of like a corporate sort of brand, if you will. Um, And like you do a degree in something completely different. But as you say, like you'll wind up doing what you, you know, are meant to do. And if that's coaching, like it's so interesting how that just like falls into place as well, even if it's not something that you ever like thought of, you know, as a career path growing up. Um, So yeah, I always love it when there are stories like that because yeah it's so interesting to see how people got into the space to begin with yeah it is and I even feel like just only I would say three or four years ago actually only three years ago now I was doing like f45 being coach how to do it like I would never go to a gym by myself like fast forward and I'm like coaching other girls to build confidence to get into the gym and even like compete in a space I would never even dream about competing so it's so crazy how fast things can evolve as well A hundred percent. So were you like, were you sporty growing up? Were you into the gym? You you just said you weren't into the gym growing up and that sort of, you know, transformed three years ago. Um, But were you, were you a team sport? Were you a, you know, individual sport? I was definitely. Not at all. Yeah, I was definitely into sports growing up. I actually did gymnastics to start with and then moved into cheerleading. And I did that from, I would say year eight till my first year of university. 
traveled to like that was like my whole entire life was cheer and that honestly like built my foundation for like discipline and perseverance while training um I trained for like the world champs like a few times as well and traveled overseas with it so I feel like I was definitely in the space of like being overall fit but not so much the gym then I also loved running for a while as well like I did athletics through school um ran a half marathon after school like more so in that space and then probably got into the gym through COVID so COVID somehow brought the gym out of me and from there I just kind of transitioned into competing when a kind of coach approached me and said let's do it that's so interesting. We had um, Meg Sutherland on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, or her yeah. married name is Meg Martin now, but um, and she did um, competitive aerobics growing up and before that did um, gymnastics as well. And we were talking about how gymnastics as a foundation for particularly young girls is so like it's so interesting to watch and see how that transforms the the girl you know throughout their life because I feel like it's one of the few sports where young women and girls are like really encouraged to be super like strong and you need to be super strong um and you know how that also incorporates training around you know balance as well as flexibility and as you said you know there's that element of learning discipline and learning you know the importance of you know practicing and doing things over and over again if you want to get better at them and it really you know obviously translates to the gym but so many other areas of your life as well I couldn't agree more it honestly builds like the foundation in terms of like basics and they drill the basics into you 24 7 so kind of coming out of that you know that you have to nail the basics and it does take time to progress so you don't expect to go from zero to 100 like that so you have that um discipline almost like built up with you to like keep pushing on no matter what i agree like gymnastics and anything in sort of that type of space game changer for young girls yeah so much because otherwise i mean you, you talked about sort of being into running and stuff like that as well. I mean, obviously running a marathon or a half marathon is completely different to just like going for a run around the block <laughs> um, mm. in terms of like the <laughs> level of intensity that's required there. And again, the level of discipline, like <laughs> I could never. Um, but I also know that like growing up, the way that sort of like I was being conditioned by the world is like, okay, girls, like you go do your cardio, like you can go for a run and like mm. be cute and like, whatnot after school and then the boys will go to the gym or like the boys will go do sport all of that kind of stuff um and that was yeah. you know when I first started getting into you know fitness per se that was very much what my fitness routine looked like even getting into the gym for the first time it was like okay cool I'm a girl at the gym let me go run on the treadmill for 15 minutes and then go on the elliptical for 15 minutes and then like if I'm feeling you know extra spicy maybe I'll do an ab circuit um and then it's yeah. only when you get sort of like introduced to really good coaches and, you know, whether that's the F45s of the world or like the circuit training side of the world as well, that you sort of learn how to do movements and learn that, oh, there actually is more to being a strong female in the gym. Um, and it's so yeah. cool to watch how that then transpires into, you know, your mission and like as a coach, what you want to put out into the world as well. Yeah, I definitely feel like social media is definitely slowly transitioning into empowering girls and especially young girls as well to be building muscle, to get stronger in the gym. Like just in a matter of, I would say, especially the last five years, there's been a huge transition in all of that. And 
being like someone who like started the gym like a few years ago, going into the dumbbell section, it was like the most scary thing ever, seeing big buff guys in there. And then now seeing honestly more females in the gym than males is so empowering in that way. And that's like my biggest thing as a coach is just to make sure that girls like want to be able to like get stronger, build muscle. And that actually translates into their confidence and overall just like succeeding in every other area of their life because they have that confidence within themselves to one, like speak up if that's in their career, a relationship as well, because they feel so powerful and they're just not doing what they're told and what society almost like makes them think they have to do. I love that. I couldn't agree more as far as, you know, building strength in the gym or in your physical body is so powerful as to, you know, how that translates to other areas of your life. I always use the example of being like, if I can lift, you know, a hundred kilo deadlift, like, yes, I can stand up to my manager if I need to, or like, yes, I can, I don't know, double text the boy that's ghosting me. I don't know. (laughs) I know, like literally (laughs) though. But yeah, (laughs) exactly. So no, I love that. And I think you're so right that social media has had a really big role to play in that in just, I think, for so long. I mean, I think women have been in the weights area for a really long time, um, but it was definitely super intimidating. And because it's sort of in that physical space and, you know, depending on if there was like a women's only weights room or like depending on the layout of the gym, if you're intimidated to go into that section because you can't see it and you can't see that there are other women there, like obviously that's going to be super scary and super daunting. But with social media, we have, you know, the means of being able to see women in the in the gym and in the weights area and doing certain exercises and all of this kind of stuff without actually having to be in the gym to be able to witness it if that's a barrier in the first place. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely like transitioning by that way. And I think that's like the biggest thing with like my social media that I've tried to push as well is just teaching girls that like you can lift weights without getting like muscular or manly if that's like your biggest fear. Because I know some girls like they don't want to build all this muscle, but it's proving to you that stepping in a gym and lifting weights isn't actually going to make you look like that. Like, believe me, I've been training hard for a few years now and I don't even close to like I haven't even built that much muscle to what I want to look like. So if you pick up like a few um, shoulder press, dumbbells, whatever you do that week, you're not going to gain a whole heap of muscle straight away. And I think that's the biggest thing through my social media is to really push girls to just keep being their best and like not form into society standards that way. A hundred percent. And even I think with, with social media and with Instagram and TikTok and your YouTube channel and everything like that as well. It also creates this, this platform where you can, you know, demonstrate certain exercise and it just makes like fitness way more accessible to people as well. Cause yeah, mm. like you, can, you post workouts, you post exercise demonstrations, and then that adds this whole other layer to like, look, I train and I lift weights and you know, I'm, don't look like a bulky man, but also, and so if (laughs) that is something that you want, like here is, here are some examples of the types of things that you can do in like an accessible way, which I think is super important as far as, you know, changing the, and I agree that it already has changed a lot in terms of the perception of strength training for women, but, you know, continuing that change as well. Yeah, that's the cool thing about social media is there's so many different platforms that you can give a variety of like information on. 
And that's also why I've fallen into my podcast with my best friend, because it helps us give out information in a different forum. Like there's only so much information and value you can provide through like TikToks and short form videos and things like that. Whereas a podcast is honestly like reading a book every single week and learning something new. It's almost like having a coach without a coach, especially on Monday. I explained everything like to do with like a growing phase or a bulking or whatever you call it. Because most girls like don't know and they don't necessarily want to go through a phase like that or need to, but it's so interesting to see the scientific reasons behind it and all of those things that you're not going to find through Instagram or vice versa. If you just want a quick answer, a quick workout, you go into Instagram to save a post rather than watching a podcast. So that's the best thing about what I do on social media is provide so many different platforms and so many different tools that people can use. A hundred percent. And you sort of touched on it a little bit then in terms of like all of the different platforms that you use. Um, was that, you know, a conscious decision when you started off like with your business and becoming a coach, both you know in person and then online, was that like a conscious decision of, okay, I'm starting my business. What platforms do I need? Like how do I want to market? Or was that just something that happened organically? Definitely something that happened organically. I actually started my fitness page before coaching probably a year and a half before and I was still like doing my marketing degree um, and like sorry working in that space and I honestly just wanted to keep accountable myself and like post things online as that's when like social media the fitness side of it was starting to grow and I always like loved social media growing up like I posted a lot to do with like cheerleading on like my old page and kind of grew up a base from that But then I had so many different like family, friends and everything, like people that I've met along the way follow that account. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to separate it. So I started a fitness account, actually had it on private to begin with, um, as I only wanted like my close friends and people who actually cared to see. And then after a while, took it off private and it honestly just started growing organically from there. And I found my like true love for fitness and posting social media content creation in that way too. And people who were with me from the start, honestly, grew with me from scratch like there's a video still on my page if you go all the way down from when I very first started literally like no muscle no education nothing like that and it's really cool to see like my journey along the way so it's definitely been organic then I would say starting like YouTube was because my Instagram grew and I was like okay that's like another platform that I can provide a little bit more value and to help grow my fitness account Mm. And I suppose too, you know, you said that your background as far as, you know, tertiary education, like your degree was in, um, you know, commerce and then you, you did marketing and was it HR? Yeah. 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 So how, how did that, and you know, the stuff that we, we learned there or you learned there, I should say, how has that helped mm-hmm. you, um, in terms of applying it to the work that you do now? That's always like such an interesting question because I honestly say that what I learned in uni doesn't help for my like content creation or anything like that because it was definitely a lot more of like old fashioned, I guess, and a lot more like commerce, like economics, finance, accounting, like all that type of stuff. And marketing, a few things did help, but it was more so for like large organizations rather than like individual like entrepreneurs. But the biggest thing that university has taught me is like how to learn how to be patient, how to apply myself and actually like enjoy studying. And I think that's actually what's taught me the most is I'm like, we'll probably like study again next year because I love it. And it's taught me like how to learn and how to do things when I don't want to do them. Because believe me, there's like 
so many times when I don't want to study or do exams or anything like that. And it's pushing through that. And again, just building up that mental discipline to be able to get somewhere where you don't want to put in the hard work now, but you know that it's going to help your goal later on. So I always say like even school and university teaches you discipline and teaches you how to learn um, and also just broaden your knowledge in a variety of ways, whether that's like simple as like communication with others because you have to do so much group work with like people you've never met before um and just like different things like that it's helped along the way yeah I always find that so interesting in terms of and it's like even relates to the earlier questions around you know sport and growing up and how that has sort of transformed the way that you work or learn or you know your discipline and your values and all of that kind of stuff because I think it's so easy when you know, you go and you do three, four or five years or whatever at uni. And then, you know, just because of life, you end up doing something completely different. Um, it's so mm. easy to be like, well, that was a waste of time and money. Like I, I'm not even working in HR or I'm not even working in marketing or like my degree was in, um, communications. So I was doing like journalism and, and PR and stuff like that. And then for ages, mm-hmm. I was working, you know, in the gym on the gym floor. And I was like, well, pfft, okay, that was a waste of three years. Could have just like done an exercise and sports science degree. Um, but like yeah. it's, it, there's so many different ways that something like that can apply if you actually sort of think about it, whether it is, you know, wanting to, or learning how to learn or learning how to interact with others and like conflict resolution with your, you know, your group partner who isn't like pulling mm-hmm. their weight. Um, how can that translate yeah. to a, a difficult client or whether it's, you know, if, like it's a marketing or comms background, you know, obviously that then can filter into marketing strategies or or if it's finance that you did at uni, like how does that factor into learning how to sort of invoice and manage your accounts and all of that kind of stuff? Like there's so many different ways that things can apply. Um, and, yeah, acknowledging those I think is super important. Otherwise, like, of course, it's a waste of time if you <laughs> if you let it be. <laughs> Exactly. And that's the best thing that you just said there. It's if you let it be. And perspective is something that I've been focusing so much lately, not only with myself, but my clients as well, is how you look at something is literally going to change your life and change your actions on a day-to-day basis. You can have something really bad happen to you or you don't get the degree you wanted or you don't get into a team you wanted or anything like that. If you look at it in a negative way, well, then that's going to carry on throughout the rest of your day. You're going to be in a bad mood. It's going to affect your actions later on. But if you flip it and literally think, okay, what did I learn from it? What actually helped me? Is this teaching me how to be a little bit more resilient when something else comes up later on? Perspective is literally truly everything. And that has been the biggest focus for my life in the past year. And I think it's like changed everything. So it just goes to show literally what you said is just flipping that perspective because I could easily look back and think, okay, that was a waste of time because I'm not even doing commerce anymore. Or I can be like, these are the tools that I actually learned to get to where I am now. Perfect. That's yes. So, so well said. So switching gears a little bit as far as, you know, diving into your business a little bit deeper, you said that sort of you got into fitness about three years ago and that potentially started with sort of F45 and then you, um, you know, were inspired to start coaching because of your interactions with other coach. Can we dive into that a little bit more in terms of like what was the actual catalyst for becoming a coach and what was sort of your first steps from, from there? Yeah. Okay. So I've definitely like loved the gym for a while and quite like a few years now, 
but it was nothing that like I had true passion for. And I honestly always said to myself, I love the gym, but I don't think I want to coach because I don't want to lose that passion for the gym. So I almost built that up with that limiting belief in my mind. But as soon as I kind of like started to dive into it deeper and deeper, start my fitness Instagram. And then I was like, oh, I might do marketing and body fit because I worked at body fit for a year as well on the side and do them hand in hand. That's when I just like kept falling more in love and helping others and learning from other coaches. And I was like, no, this is actually what I want to do. And sometimes you just have to start it and figure out what you like and what you don't like. And then you're falling to the right place. So I worked at body fit for a year And then as soon as like my Instagram started like picking up, I was like, and online coaching probably started to like really elevate last year. Like that's when everyone started to do it. And I definitely got in my mind in terms of um, it's a little bit saturated. People won't want to come to me. But coming back down to like, okay, I need to be my authentic self. I'm already having people ask me about coaching and I'm not even a coach yet. I'm still studying. So what am I actually bringing to the table that are making people want to be with me? And the biggest thing was like, obviously my journey through competing, people saw how disciplined I was, how much I was able to stay on track and they wanted someone to guide them in that way as well. And sometimes I bring myself back down to, okay, but like, I'm not as educated as other coaches, but sometimes education doesn't triumph all. You need experience one, but also other clients just need to be held accountable and almost need someone to talk to about what they're going through. They don't need the most educated person in the world giving them all this scientific like knowledge. They literally just need someone to hold their hand through their journey, and that's what I was able to do. Yeah, that's that's such a good point that you raised there in terms of like different clients have different needs, and so therefore, you know, different coaches are going to be better or worse sort of suited to them depending on what their needs are. I think it's so easy to have that kind of limiting belief. And I think so many of us coaches do that, you know, like, oh, well, there are so many other coaches out there that are so much smarter than me. And they've been in this industry for so much longer than me. And even like, I know working within AWPT, like we've got some amazing mentors like Kayla and Amy who have you know been in this space for ages and are like real experts in their sort of lanes. Um, and so it's so easy for like me to sit here and be like, okay, like, cool, why wouldn't they just go to them? If like, why wouldn't all these other clients Mm -hmm. go to them? Um, But like, there's so much to be said for personal training um, is exactly that, like it's personal. And so there's such an important foundation of how well you like relate to others and like how well you're able to empathize with others and like, um, you know, your interpersonal Mm -hmm. skills and stuff like that. And depending on the type of clients that you're working with, if, you know, someone is needing like a real expert care, then yeah, maybe they would go to like a specialized, I don't know, like bodybuilding coach, not that mm. this this obviously doesn't apply to you. This could be like an example yeah. for me. Like, yes, they might mm-hmm. go to someone who is a bit more specialized in that area. But like, then there are other people that, as you say, like just want you to be there to like hold them accountable in terms of like be there and watch them exercise so that they will go to the gym. Um, and then, you know, there are other people who, whose skills it really are those like interpersonal skills and like being able to have a conversation with someone and like really talk to them. Cause I think half the time, that's what I always joke that personal training should really, or PT should really stand for like personal therapy. (laughs) Um, the way that, um, like there's just, there's a lot of trauma dumping that goes on in like a PT session. Um, and so, yeah, like there are so many different reasons that clients will come to you or to other people and like really 
anchoring yourself in, okay, like what makes me different? Like what am I bringing to the table? And like who are the types Mm -hmm. of people that I want to coach and like do those two things marry up? Yeah. It's also just recognizing your zone of genius as well. Everyone's going to be better at something. There's always going to be someone that's better than you as well. And there's been many times that have clients that have come to me and I've almost like had to drop my ego and be like, okay, I've actually can't coach this client. They need to go to someone else. Specifically, I had a client who came to me and was like, I want to compete. I saw you compete last year. I want you to be my coach. And I was like, I'm not experienced enough within that space to coach you just yet. However, I know that my coach will be able to help you. So I kind of moved on to my coach and now my coach is my mentor and I'm with her through that journey. So I'm also learning at the same time. Same as other clients I that come to me, they're like, oh, I'm, let's say like 20 weeks pregnant in my final stage. Can you help me? And I'm like, no. Um, this is my coach, another coach that will actually be able to help you. They're qualified. They're a lot more experienced in this area. So I would recommend them. So it's also just realizing that you can't help everyone and that is okay. And to really just knuckle in on who you are as a coach and stick to those clients because you're going to have one, a lot more client retention and two, you're going to see a lot more results from them when you just mesh and gel with them. Definitely. I think you said something really interesting there and really important about, you know, dropping the ego and referring out where necessary. But that also doesn't mean that the like that's the end of the story. Like you can then also continue Mm -hmm. to educate yourself and continue to learn and be mentored so that you can, you know, down the line be that type of coach that like you or in that space that you might want to be in, in terms of like bodybuilding in the, in your example, or, you know, working with women like pre and post pregnancy and pre and postpartum, I should say. Um, or, you know, if people come and say like, Oh, I really need specialized uh, care in terms of like, I've got endometriosis and I've got, you know, really mm-hmm. bad, like gut health or women's health issues and all of this kind of stuff. Like, can you help me do blood work and all of this kind of stuff? Like the answer currently could be no, and that's fine. Um, That doesn't make you like a bad coach or a worse coach. Um, But that also doesn't mean that, you know, you can never be that kind of coach as well. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So let's dive a little bit into your bodybuilding journey because it's so interesting that like it's, I feel like with your journey as a coach, it's very much also married into your journey in terms of health and fitness in general on a personal level. Um, And it's so interesting hearing you say that, you know, your business grew and your social media grew because you were posting about like your own experience and your own journey within that space. So how did, how did you get into bodybuilding? Like, was that something that from the get-go within your fitness journey you were like oh this looks really cool um or were you like talked into it by someone I'd love to know yeah so I've always been like a very competitive person and I always feel like I need to train for something so hence why after I stopped cheer I felt so lost and I was like half marathon perfect can train towards that and that's why I signed up to that And then after that, I kind of felt lost again. I was like, now what do I want to train for next? And then I actually had two friends at school who competed. And I always thought like, that would be cool. But 
I thought there was a bit of a stigma behind it. I was like, oh, I don't really know how to get into it. Don't really want to speak up. So kind of like just took a back seat. And then one day I had um, a coach at a, or an owner of a gym actually come up to me, which was a gym I was going to at the time and say, you'd actually be like the perfect candidate to um, compete. Obviously just kind of more coaching me in that type of way. So I could be their client so they could coach me to the stage. Um, but I accepted it because it was something that I've always wanted to do. And then kind of as I started with him, COVID sort of hit and I moved coaches to Beck as I knew Beck was someone who was um, really valued in my like area, especially in Melbourne. And she also focused on women's health and she's like a lecturer as well very qualified in that area and I just knew that being with like a girl coach who understood hormones through competing was very important so that's when I transitioned to her start of last year actually in February which is crazy time kind of like collapsed in that way I feel like I've been with her forever but from there we just went pretty much straight into a growing phase and I knew nothing to begin with absolutely nothing um, so she pretty much held my hand through it all and you learn along the way. Like the coach can provide you with much information and knowledge as possible, but at the end of the day, you have to go through it to learn. And that's pretty much what I did last year. And I think that's what people valued through my social media a lot was they were learning at the same time I was learning. I wasn't coming um, to Instagram and being like, oh, this is what I'm doing and why. It was literally like, oh, wow, this happened today. And let's go through it together. So I was navigating things that I would post and be like raw and vulnerable with it, which definitely helped. Um, and then like coming towards the end of like my growing phase, getting into competing and like so my prep stage, again, knowing absolutely nothing and just going like head first into it. And it was truly the best thing I've ever done. Um, and so you can either like compete and be like, yep, that was awesome, but I don't really feel like I'm going to do it again. But as soon as I competed, I was like, I know I'm going to be doing this for a fair few years. I've like found the passion within me and I just like love every single aspect of it, no matter what. I always find it so fascinating talking to people about competing and even just talking about like competition in general, because I think sometimes it definitely gets like a bit of a bad rap in terms of, mm. you know, the the impact. And it definitely, like, it can have a negative impact on certain people. But one of the conversations that has been sort of, like, reoccurring recently is talking about how and why people get into competing. And, again, like, I feel like there's sort of two camps that draw people into, especially, like, bikini comps is, you know, do yeah. you, are you getting into it because you want to look good in a bikini and you want, like, some intense training that's going to like make you look really lean or are you getting into it because you're really fascinated about the sport and the competition of bodybuilding and like bikini competitions and stuff like that um because I feel like the approach and the as as you were talking about like the perspective and the intention behind those two things are vastly different mm -hmm. and are really going to affect the experience that you have and the outcome in the end as well and how you then like absolutely you know, go about your life afterwards yeah it can truly how you go into competing is going to determine how you come out of competing the reverse diet can be honestly one of the hardest phases if you've gone into competing with the wrong reason if you're just going purely for aesthetics purely to prove a point to someone or anything like that to post on instagram whatever it may be your reverse diet is going to truly be the hardest few months of your life because you have to gain weight. And you're like, hold up. I literally just shredded, got into the best um, shape of my life. And now I'm told to gain weight. And that wasn't why I did this. Whereas I feel like people who are in it for the long run, 
are so confident with themselves in a growing phase, putting on body fat, increasing their calories as much as possible to then be able to have a successful prep because they don't have to drop their curls super low. They're confident year round, no matter what shape it is. And it doesn't mean that they have these thoughts come up in a growing phase where it is challenging some days, but at the end of the day, they know the reasons behind it and something that they have to go through to be competitive. So I agree. There is definitely two spaces to go around it. So if anyone's looking to compete, just really check into yourself and think like, okay, why am I doing this? Hmm. especially I think for coaches there's already like a bit of a stigma around you know how you should or are supposed to look as a coach and especially like with social Mm. media and you're obviously like in 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 many ways like as PTs and as coaches like we are our product and so I know a lot of people have you know different imposter syndromes around like the way that they look and whether that's like an accurate representation of like what they can do for others and stuff like that and so I think a lot of coaches can very easily fall into this trap of bodybuilding because again like they want to be able to like look a certain way um or again like attract certain clients or just like prove to themselves that like they can do the bodybuilding so that they can then work with other clients if they want to do bodybuilding and like all of this kind of stuff and as we said like the way that you go into the competition is like going to have a drastic impact on how you come out of it, both like mentally, physically, all of that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, it can actually get quite dangerous when you are as a coach and you're seeing like all these other coaches who look incredible and you're like, yeah, well, of course they're going to go with them. But same time, they can actually be super unhealthy to get into that shape in comparison to a coach who may not like, like, quote unquote, look like a coach, but they can be so much more educated and get you 10 times the results as that person who may look like one. So it's crazy how much like stigma still there is around all of that. And it can fall into coaches going straight into competing to just gain more clients and all of those things. But it's just coming back down to like what you want to do as a person and not like really separating coaching from actually what you want to do. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the AWPT podcast. I'm Kayla, the founder of AWPT University. And if you're here, you're probably a dedicated fitness professional, personal trainer, or online coach who aspires to create an impact in the women's health and fitness industry through up-leveling your knowledge and skills, servicing your clients to the highest standard, and building a business that changes both you and your clients' lives. Because we value your continuous education and want to reward our podcast listeners who are committed to their growth and learning, we want to gift you $200 off our OG AWPT eight-week certification. This comprehensive online course covers women's anatomy and biomechanics, training and programming for women, female-specific nutrition and health, training during pregnancy and postpartum, peri- and postmenopausal considerations, and so much more. Visit www.awptuniversity.com today and use the code AWPTPODCAST, one word and all uppercase, at checkout for $200 off. We've also linked it in the show notes for your convenience. Now, back to the episode. And I think there's so many different ways that you can still sort of educate yourself on the topic, even if you're not wanting to actually like do the experience yourself, like listening to podcasts like this and like yours in terms of what other people's experiences were like 
competing so that you can still get like a first-hand account of it, but it doesn't have to be your first-hand account of it as well. So I suppose with that in mind, maybe we'll delve into that side of things in terms of like your personal experience throughout your whole sort of um, competition phase with like the, the growth phase and the bulking phase versus the prep phase versus the reverse diet. Um, because as you said, like when you were doing it last year, it was your first time doing any of that kind of stuff. So how did you find your first growth phase? Cause I can imagine that's quite like confronting, especially because as women, often we've been conditioned, like eat less, lose, but like, you want to mm. lose weight. You don't ever want to gain weight. God forbid. <laughs> yeah, literally. It was, we had to go hard and fast because I didn't actually have that long in that growing phase when I started with my coach. But having a goal of like, I knew I was starting prepping, I think it was May. So I was like, okay, I literally have a few months to push to get uncomfortable, to go as hard as I can to then be able to start prep. And it's honestly, every single day I would come back down to what's my goal. If I didn't feel confident in myself, if I felt like I was putting on more body fat or whatever it may be, I was like, okay, but why am I doing this? This is my goal. Keep looking at the outcome because if I stop and give up now, well, then I'm just putting myself, I'm not giving myself the best chance possible to actually be competitive later on. I also think that growing phase like seriously healed my relationship with food because I stopped looking at it as, oh, okay, that's a treat. That's a treat. I literally just like, okay, how do I hit my macros today? And through just being fuel for my sessions, focusing, okay, I need to have carbs before I train, protein after I train, rather than just being like, okay, what's going to be the least amount of calories that I can eat today to look skinny tomorrow? Like I literally just really flipped my perspective on absolutely everything. And then that helped me going into my prep. I was able to build up my calories. And that was what Beck really just kind of drilled into me from the very start. She said, the longer and the higher you can get your kels, the better you are going to be in prep because you're not going to have to drop them super low. So then leading into prep, I was already sitting at like 3000. So I didn't have to drop them crazy amount straight away. And I was actually be able to hold that higher kels for a longer period of time in comparison to other girls that I've spoken with whose kels had to get super low to get into condition because their off season wasn't as successful as it possibly could be. But overall, like, my prep was probably the best experience of my life. Like absolutely there was hard days. And looking back the last eight weeks of the prep, I was definitely like very like moody, irritable and all those things, but I still had a positive mindset as much as possible. And I enjoyed every single day. Even if I felt like pure shit, I was like still like, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. I made the choice to compete. So there's no point in complaining when I made the decision to go through this. Um, I also think my coach was absolutely incredible throughout that time, um, being able to educate me through everything. And I just like looking at other people's experience, like I just like had such a good time. Like I didn't have to, like, yes, my curls got low, cardio got higher, but in comparison to some other people, I felt like I was truly chilling. Like I could have hot chocolate and things all the way up to the night before competition and not affect me. But that's the crazy thing about prep is one person's experience is going to be different to another's. And at the same time is my prep from last time versus this time can be completely different. Your body can respond differently every single prep. And now just leading into this one, like I've learned so much of what to do, what not to do, what works, what doesn't work. But I think that's why I wanted to compete so badly again was because I did have such a good experience. Mm. And what were some of the things that you learned and have taken from your last season into this new one? 
Number one, don't compare yourself to anyone. That is the biggest thing because my friend Caitlin and I always speak about this. We actually both won our pro card on the same day, but we both had completely different protocols. And we were actually speaking, I think it was the night before, her coach told her to literally stop carbs. Like she can't have any more or she's going to spill over. Whereas my coach was like, we need to push 400 carb, um, gram of carbs in today. And I was like, hold up. Caitlin literally got stole, told to stop eating and you're telling me to eat more. Like I'm going to like blow out and not look as good. She's going to come in a lot more lean. And she was like, no, Lily, trust me. Your body responds a lot different. It can hold on to more carbs, like trust the process. And it just goes to show we both want our pro card. So different things work for other people. So just seriously stay in your own lane. Um, and then the other thing was now just kind of like looking back is to just be more strict throughout. Like I absolutely adhered to a T every single day, like not missing anything, but I could have trained with a little bit more intensity, done a little bit more harder cardio. Um, when I ate my cows, like not, I would kind of like, do if it fits your macros so I would like scan the back of like dumpling packets like maybe maybe 14 weeks out and if it fit into my cows well then I'd eat them whereas now I'm focusing a lot more on nourishing foods that are actually going to help me fuel my body for my sessions going to help with recovery and keeping everything at a basic um, baseline rather than just trying to fit as much as I can in because like that is actually going to help your body so much more along the way Yeah, it sounds like massively, you know, you're going into this this new season or this current season with like your eyes wide open. And it's so interesting that like the common theme throughout all of those lessons is just like a newfound intention and um, like why are you doing the things that you're doing? And like, is this, you know, the the smart choice given, you know, the, the purpose of the exercise? Like, yes, you could do the whole if it fits your macros and like scan things and mm -hmm. whatnot but is that like the most nutrient dense option and like at the end of the day what am I doing this for and like what am I trying to get out of this and coming back to that why is like so profound and mm -hmm. I feel like because you had that initial experience and like and you, you know you, you found this love for the sport and for the competition like you found that why whereas potentially the first time around it was the why is sort of like oh I just want to see like I'm <laughs> I'm curious about the process yep. whereas now it's like okay like I've got this fire under my belly like what can I do yep. if I like really put my mind to it it also just goes to show like the level of education at the end of the day and probably the first prep, like I had no idea. I thought that was normal. Whereas now I know and every time you're going to learn and then I just know next time, like my next season that I do after this one, there's going to be things I look back and be like, wow, I probably shouldn't have done that. Or maybe I could have done that differently. And you're just going to continue to learn as much as you do it. And exactly like with clients as well, if they go through their first deficit phase, well, then they kind of come out to it and then they go through the second one. They're like, oh, wow, I'm like in such a different mindset now because I know how to go around things. So it is just so interesting with all of that. And it's literally just with everything in life. Like I'm sure you look back at the first time you started business and it's like, oh, there's no way I would do that now. And you've just changed and evolved. And that's just like with everything in life. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well about your point in terms of like there's so much crossover with, you know, what you learn in bodybuilding, like the key takeaways that you've taken from that into business and into like how you work with 
clients and how you're able to sort of like even the lesson around, you know, different things are going to work for different people. Like the fact that that was obviously like a specific example in terms of prep, but that lesson is also then going to be able to be applied to, you know, your one-on-one coaching and working with different clients is that even if they're not competing, like different things are going to work for different people. And I think like the carbs one is such a great example um, in terms of like, we can have this like general sweeping, um, you know, statements around carbs or around particular macros in terms of like how much you should be having or like women versus men and all of this kind of stuff. But like at the end of the day, it is so much down to the individual and like how their body responds um, and, you know, being able to like listen to their feedback and also sort of trusting the process and like trusting the education of the coach as well. Yeah, it is true. Everything works differently for everyone. And like you said, it's not even just like in one aspect of your life. It truly does evolve to like literally every part. Yeah, even business. Like I think it's, you know, we obviously have so many different guests coming on the podcast and talking about like the way that their businesses have evolved. And like some people might have had this like super intense strategy when they first started business being like, okay, I'm going to like post every single day and like, I know reels do really well, so I'm going to like prioritize reels. And then other people are, you know, building up a massive following just by like showing up and talking about their own experience and like really developing this Mm -hmm. personal connection with their audience. Um, And like that is the relatability aspect, whereas like other people go for potentially more of like a leader or expert sort of focus. And then, you know, you might see some people that are doing really well with, working in or doing masterclasses or workshops and then other people prefer one-on-one or other people prefer group situations or run clubs like there are so many different ways to do business and to do you know fitness and all of that kind of stuff Um, and I think it's such an important reminder of sort of as you said at the start like learning how to stay in your own lane and figure out like what that lane is and what you know Mm. you want to bring to the table as well. Literally like what you just said going back to business is you don't just have to follow the crowd because what's working for someone else and what you think that everyone's doing is like, oh, I have to follow them because that's apparently what we do now. And it's honestly, I feel like masterclasses have been a big thing that have kind of come up probably like more so like this year than anything. And I kind of like sat back with myself and I was like, okay, I feel like I probably have to do that because that's what everyone's doing in this online space. But like, that's not me. I, don't, I like a lot more like one-on-one personalized approach um, to tell my story individually through clients and find what works for them. And that's what works for me. And that is okay as well. So being actually just able to sit with yourself and find, okay, what do I like? What do I enjoy? And how does my information and value get portrayed across to like clients um, more so than just doing what everyone's doing for the sake of it? And I think you really do get like rewarded for that in the sense that you know, we've talked about you and your journey as far as, you know, your Instagram following sort of blowing up or your social media following getting larger because you were really focusing on that like connection piece in terms of here's what I'm doing. Like I'm really excited about the process and like learning along the way and like let me share this information as I go through. And obviously, you know, people really respond to that level of authenticity and that has then had that organic kind of flow on to the other different elements of your business as far as, you know, the podcast that you do and, you know, the YouTube channel where, again, people are able to gain even more access or insight into your life and your opinions and your perspective on things as you're going through and that continues to work for you, um, which I think is so cool to watch. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely really cool also to just look back and see how much like I can evolve and like people following along with me. And I've gotten a lot of messages like this time around be like, oh my gosh, I followed you like your last prep. I can't wait to see how much you evolve this prep. So it's really cool to bring people along the way. And like you said, everyone's going to be differently. Like some people sell, sell, sell on Instagram and that's what works for them. And what works for me is just literally bringing people along for the ride. Mm. And how do you, I suppose, bridge that gap? Because obviously like as a business owner, like obviously the connection piece is like super important, but you know, we, we need to make money to make it like a viable kind of career. Yeah. Um, so how do you go yep. about like bridging that gap in terms of posting for connection and then also trying to convert that to sales? That is such a good question because I'm literally going through that right now and still finding out what is working for me because I've had so many people tell me I need to post more like real content that's educational and that's like converting clients and um, talking videos with like captions on top to all those different types of things. And uh, I've been sitting with myself, I'm like, that's not me and that's not how I grew my Instagram to start with. That's not how I converted clients. I literally converted them through like, literally just being myself and people like, oh, you're a coach. I want to work with you. But what I actually have done is I've created another Instagram that is like a fit with Lily coaching that I provide more client-based coaching on. And sometimes I post that on my main one. So the current page that like I use now for absolutely everything, I'll sometimes post like, okay, I have a wait list at the moment or I'm taking on new clients or here's one of my clients transformations now and then just to remind people that I do coach. And then on that page, that's pretty much where I post everything. However, in saying that I don't post much at all, that's something I'm currently working on. Just try to be 50 places at once and finding what works for me right now. But a lot of people who listen to the podcast, that's how they know that I'm a coach. Or if you go into like my bio, you'll see that I have a coaching page from there. So it's definitely a lot more organic. And that's actually what's helped so much with client retention because clients that come on board, it means they've been following me for a long time and they've figured out I do coach. So they're actually really eager to work with me closely rather than just sale, sale, sale. And people are like, oh, she's a coach. I'm jumping on board to try and get a quick fix. And I feel like that's what's worked best with me because they've actually figured out who I am as a person rather than just a coach. I love that. I love that there are like so many different sort of access points to the sales, even though like it's not necessarily like in your face, car salesmen, like every day, like trying to sell, but it's mm -hmm. that, yeah, connection piece first. And then just like giving people, I guess, like context clues throughout that, that then they can realize, oh, like she's coaching. And then you've already got that foundation of trust, which you know, I'm sure is something that came up in your degree in terms of, you know, the mm. whole thing of like, no, is it like trust? No, like, no trust. I oh, think. Um, even know. <laughs> so yeah, like having to like, like the person, no, <laughs> like the person, okay. trust the person and like know the person. So you're already giving them all of those different foundations through just that like relatability piece. And then that's what they, you know, that's what clients need in order to be able to convert to a sale as opposed to, mm -hmm. you know, just posting about like, here's my set program, do with that what you will kind of thing. They want to work with you yeah. specifically rather than like the $50 it definitely, program. Yeah, it definitely does help that I do have a following. So I've actually built that up to allow myself to do it via this way. But I definitely understand that like some other coaches who may not have that following, they kind of need to be a little bit more salesy to convert clients. But again, 
that's what works for them. And if they get client retention by that way, then incredible. And they figured out something, that sweet spot that helps them. Whereas with me, this is what works for me. So it's again, not comparing yourself to any other person and also just find what works for you. Because I've definitely gone through that like salesy approach, but I kind of came back and be like, no, that's not sitting right with me. Don't enjoy it as well. Um, So again, just find what works best for you. Exactly. And also like what works best for your clients as well, because I think, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody has slightly different audiences. And if, you know, your audience is built on this idea of sort of like wanting to watch you and watch your process, like they're going to be far more likely to sort of interact when you put stuff up about like, I don't know, like what your workout playlist is or like, this is the workout that I'm doing, or like, this is the place that I'm going for lunch, like follow follow me along in my day kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Then, um, like a specific sort of sales oriented post. But as you said, like, that's not to say that those kind of posts that, you know, you are doing won't convert clients anyway. So like knowing what your, what your audience is most likely to engage with, like that's still really smart business and that's still business strategy, even if it's not like overt selling. Yeah, exactly. It's all different across social media. Everyone's different. And also too, I feel like there are slightly different approaches depending on the platform that you're on too, because as you said, like Instagram and TikTok and short form video and like the stuff that's trending on there is very different to the type of content that you're going to be producing on your podcast or on your YouTube Um, and having slightly Mm -hmm. different approaches for all of those different platforms um, is also beneficial in terms of like, what does each platform um, like what are the different elements of each platform? Because as you said, like with your podcast, yeah. you're able to go into a lot more depth and detail and also, you know, potentially be a little bit more vulnerable on there because like there isn't necessarily this like live screen that's happening at the same time mm. or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so like having, you know, different platforms to be able to do different things as well. Yeah, that's like my YouTube. I'll always like, when I vlog, I'm like, oh, I'm working now. I'm setting like my clients up or I'm doing my check-ins. So then that kind of like reminds people that, oh, she's still a coach. And then on my Instagram, instead of selling, I'll just be like, this is what I'm doing today. And it'd be like client check-ins. And people are like, oh, she was checking today. She must be an online coach. So it's little things like that, that I'm still actually have that strategy to tell people that I'm coaching, but in a different way than maybe other people would. Yeah, exactly. And then on your podcast, as you said, like doing episodes around, you know, how to do a successful growth season or growth phase or, you know, Mm. all that kind of stuff, as well as like the more personal aspects of things as well in terms of like moving or life or life lessons and all of that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I also love being able to have the podcast to kind of, sorry, so it's a little bit jumpy. I was just going to say have the podcast (laughs) to provide the raw side of me, because as a coach, you can almost be like, everything's perfect. I always hit the gym. I always have motivation. I always hit my food, but the podcast really helps being able to be like, Oh no, my life actually sucks at the moment. And I'm really struggling. And this is what I'm navigating through and how I'm navigating through it. And clients almost like, like, um, what's the word? Well, relate to that, to be able to be like, Oh, she's actually normal too. And she can help me through that. Cause I feel the exact same way. Mm, definitely. I think that's like the overall or the overarching theme of this whole episode is, you know, 
the, the authenticity piece, the doing what works for you, staying in your own lane um, and, you know, being able to sort of like drop the ego in terms of like some things are going to work for some people, other things are going to work for others, but then also being open to learning and trying and experimenting as well to sort of grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's probably a perfect place to wrap up this episode. Obviously, we've touched on, you know, your Instagram platform. We've touched on your podcast and stuff like that. But I would love for you to tell people what they are and where they can find you on those different platforms. Amazing. Okay, so I pretty much just have my Instagram, which is Fit with Lily. Lily is only one L. And then my podcast is called The Raw Reality Podcast. You can find that on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And I do that with my best friend, Tori Story. And then I also have YouTube, which is just Fit with Lily. And I'm starting to vlog my whole prep as well, which would be exciting to put up so you guys can follow along the journey with me. I love that. And I will have all of those links in the show notes below so people can click directly through to that on this episode. Um, And I think that's probably all that we've got time for today. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to add on at the end that we didn't touch on? Um, No, that's pretty much it. I feel like we really delved into everything that I'm kind of like going through at the moment and that's sitting with me. So I think we covered it all. I love that. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much, Lily, for coming on the AWPT podcast today. I'm sure our audience has gotten so much value from this episode as well, and they can continue to follow you on your journey and, yeah, basically witness everything that you are going to continue to do as well as are doing at the moment. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. It was such a good conversation. listening to the AWPT podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content.